1: The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Hello and welcome to the Ringer's Philly special. It's the Sixers show. I am Chris Ryan. I am joined as I always am by Raheem Palmer. What's up Raheem? Life is good. I mean, we coming off a back to back, we look like we're in a schedule loss
0: and we get the job done. I mean, the Sixers. are. I was going to ask if if you bet the wolves
1: tonight. I was wondering.
0: (laughs) Um, I was about to and, and something told me not to do it. Um, I think the biggest thing is that I mean the one thing that we've seen from Doc Rivers led teams is that when they're undermanned, there's a there's a different gear there. So I, I stayed away, but I know there was a lot of sharp money on the on the Wolves tonight.
1: You know, I mean it's it's tough to bet on the McDaniel's Bowl. You know, it's it's just like when brother <laughs> is against brother, it's hard to know what side to be on. Uh, the Sixers beat the Timberwolves handily. This thing was over in the third quarter. It was honestly it looked a little over at halftime to me, but it was over. yeah, it was over. Third. It's over at
0: halftime. Honestly, that 0 run. That that ended everything.
1: <laughs> that was really uh, if you were watching on TNT, they had as they were cutting away to halftime, they had Wolves coach Chris Finch just be like, "When are we going to get some fouls? Their starting five doesn't have any fouls." And it's like when, when it's when it's down bad like that, you know, the Sixers are in your head. But look, man, after a barn burner in the in Indy against the Pacers, uh, the Sixers come out and without Harden, who's on a back to back rest. Uh, they took care of business, dude. And there's a lot of takeaways from the last three games. The Sixers are now won three in a row, three on the road, including beating the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, it's been a weird NBA week, obviously the Jaw stuff, but also like this Jokic narrative debate stuff that's coming out of First Take. So that was kind of in my head as I was watching this game, and then I just like kind of like got lost in the the flow of it. And watching this team dismantle a playoff basketball team on the road and watching Joe just play like the best player on the planet, man, and just kind of embarrass Gobert. I, I was just like, I love, I love this dude. This team is, is really good. They're not always to my taste as far as like how a basketball should look, but they are really, 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 really solid. And I'm starting to believe. What do you think, Raheem?
0: Yeah, I I told you, I I believe, I mean, the biggest thing is that, I mean, like I always say, if we can avoid Boston, I think we're in a good spot because I think we can beat anybody. Um, You know, it's just like when you look at, you know, over the last five games, um, the Sixers actually have the the top-ranked offense. So the (laughs) offense is just, I mean, they're absolutely rolling. I think they can score with anybody. The only concern I have for this team is the defense. But I think our best defense is going to continue to be our offense because – as I always say, when we can set our defense to get in a half court, we're scary. But the one thing I'll say tonight is our defense showed up. Our yeah. defense. Yeah. So um, you know, when you have games like tonight where you,
1: I mean, you're defending well, I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, you mentioned the 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 fact that Doc's at his best when he's got one hand tied behind his back. And we, we, we were talking a little bit on text message during the game about what our record is when we're missing one of Embiid or Harden, which I think is something like 19 and 10. We're good. Like, it's it's not a disaster is the point. In fact, we're, we're quite good. And sometimes I wonder whether or not it's Doc or, you know, it's more shots for, team, for players that maybe teams aren't schemed up against. Or is it Embiid and Harden are particularly ball-stopping offensive players? And if it's just one of them out there, there's just going to be a little bit more electricity to the team. Did you see? What do you see when it's just Joel and those guys out there? That's different than when it's Joe, James, and the other dudes.
0: Um, I mean, I, I think the one thing I see when it's Joel and Maxi, Maxi is so key in that he pushes the pace. We have a lot more pace when it's Maxi. Um, and you know, Harden, I love him to death, but he kind of slows the game down. He's a half-court player. Whereas with yeah. Maxi, we're getting the ball up in transition and we're scoring, you know, before the other team knows what hits them. So, I mean, we're not the, we the, the, the most transition-heavy team, but Maxi's always going to play with that pace. So I think that's the key thing that, you know, we see when, you know, Hart is not out there.
1: All right, we're going to sort of talk broadly about these last three games. We'll talk a little bit about this Minnesota game, but, like, honestly, it's hard to... Mm-hmm. It, it, what I take from that is is it's just a great pro win. It's just a great win that a veteran team comes up with when it's like, it would be easy to take the night off. It would be easy to, to sleepwalk through this. It would be easy, honestly, to sit James and Joel. You know, like the third. this third seed is pretty much ours to lose at this point. So it's like, if you take an L on the back of beating Milwaukee and Indiana, like that's not a big deal. And they just go out there and they take more than to take care of business. And you're just watching in complete awe of, of Embiid. And obviously, like, the MVP debate, which we had sort of, like, I think for our own sanity, maybe put to bed by being like, it doesn't seem like Joel's going to have games played, uh, has exploded again this week. But not in the way... I don't want to talk about it in terms of, like, the Kendrick stuff. I want to talk about these last three Embiid games. Because this dude has done 31, 42, and 39. It's 112 points in in three games. He's faced Giannis and Lopez and Miles Turner... And Gobert, although Gobert was guarding Tucker a lot, like I was like, what's the point of trading for this guy if he can't guard and bead?" And, uh, I just thought he looked like the best player on earth the, these this the, these last like five days. Can you even begin to sum up what he's doing right now?
0: i mean, it's 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 hard to sum it up. I mean, especially after, you know, his performance against, when you look at what he did back in January against Jokic, I mean, it's been that all year long. And I, I just think people are understating how good this guy has been. I mean, when you even go back to the Utah game where he dropped 59, um, I don't think Hart nor Maxi played that game and he did what he had to do to, to win us that game. Actually, Maxie did play that game, but I mean, Hart wasn't, wasn't out there. People forget Hart missed a month. So, you know, to have that game against Jokic and then have that game against Giannis and he hit, you know, the three that gave us the lead in that, in that game, you know, like he showed up in clutch time, you know, I mean, Hart was excellent. But
1: Hart was so good. Hart was so good against Milwaukee and Indy.
0: Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, Joel and B hit the clutch shot to give us that lead. And, you know, it's just, I've run out of superlatives to describe this guy. I think he's the best athlete. He's the best Philadelphia 76 er I've seen in my lifetime. And I mean, that's no blasphemy to Allen Iverson. I love Allen Iverson, but I mean, we're, I mean, we're like, what are we, seven years deep with Joe M B right yeah. now? And yeah.
1: I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It's cool because I, we're seeing him in his prime. Like this is the prime. Like, you know, like a lot of guys kind of go into this round age 27. They start to really become like the the best version of themselves. I think I was listening to Rosillo and Bill talk about this on Sunday night in regards to Tatum. They were kind of sounding a little bit of a skepticism, which it was just music to my ears says my, my morning commute on Monday, listening to Bill and Ryan doubt Jason Tatum. But uh, this is Embiid's prime, man. He's been working towards this. He's been healthy-ish pretty much this season. Like, I know he's missed some time. They've managed his load. But I do think that a huge part of this is Harden and Harden taking some of the responsibility for half-court creation out of his hands. Also, I think Harden's a much safer pair of oven mitts at the end of the game, man. Like it just keeps the, the hot plate. Like the, like the, the, Oh God, is Embiid going to get doubled and lose the ball stuff in the fourth quarter? Like there was a little bit, a couple of times where I saw Drew going after Embiid when he had the ball in a post or in the, at the foul line against the bucks. But it just feels like Harden's there to like, kind of keep the metronome ticking over. And you know, I mean, one thing I will say is that, I mean, we don't call them a
0: big three, but in my opinion, we have a big three. I mean, we have MB, we have Hart, and we have Maxi, all averaging over twenty points a game. And yeah. to me, I think we have a big three. Um, I mean, it's obviously not called that, and you know, Maxi's only twenty two years old, but the way he's playing right now, I mean, Tyrese Maxi, I-, I can't say enough about him. And I just feel like you made a great point when you said that you know, Embiid, he he kind of just ha- he has another guy. He, it's not just Simmons. It's, it, you know, Simmons, he's not a guy that you can trust to score at the end of games. So Embiid doesn't have to always do it. So you got three different guys that you truly have to worry about in crunch time. And I, I think that says a lot about, you know, this team and why Joel Embiid is fresh down the stretch. And, you know, one of the points that you've made all year is that you want to see more games where, Embiid is able to rest. He didn't have to yep. play the last five, six minutes of this, of this game tonight. Um, and I think that says a lot about our death, Um, you know, and and being able to just have other guys carry the load.
1: Dude, the the Maxi point is great. It is a big three. I was gonna save Maxi for a little later in the pod, but we can talk about it now. Nothing but respect to my prince. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that guy has overcome the the doc handling all and, and you know what? Like and maybe doc was right. Like the way he handled it with Maxie coming out back from his injury and then, you know, moving out of the front line from the starting five for Melton. And then by circumstance, really coming back into the starting five, but more than earning his place, especially on this road trip. It's just that kind of stuff doesn't always happen in the right way for young players, man. Like they, sometimes they get their minutes jerked around. Maybe they get fall out of rotations and stuff like that. Like, We've seen a lot of like really high draft picks over the years, some of whom we've drafted, not be able to adjust to the ups and downs of pro ball. And I'm just so happy that Maxi is able to get back to his best form while also still playing a lot like Maxi. you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, like I I was skeptical of him starting. I kind of wanted to see him be Mano Ginobili or, you know, Oklahoma City James Harden. But it feels like he's found his groove with this starting lineup. And, you know, um, the bench, it hasn't felt like it's been a problem lately. Um, You know, maybe I I need to see it a little bit more, but I I feel like, you know, Melton's still putting up good minutes. I I just, like, I, I love everything that I've seen lately.
1: He also doesn't seem to be tremendously affected by moving in and out of the starting lineup. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Melton is a role player player. he He got his money. I think he's happy to be on a contender. He seems very not, like he seems very well situated on the Philadelphia team. like they seem to like I, whenever I see like the layup line and stuff before games, like he's joking around. people seem to really get along with him. Uh, he, I, I don't think his, his career is going to be made or broken by whether or not he's starting for Philly in March of the 2022, 23 season, you know, like he's yeah. kind of, he's kind of doing his thing. Maxie is at this really crucial point where it was like he overperformed his draft slot and then maybe was having a kind of like a regression slash coming back down to earth season and has just completely like revived himself over the last couple of weeks. And maybe it was just a matter of him needing to get over that injury and play back into form.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can totally see that. I mean, I mean, you forget. I mean, he was out for a while, um, and and then also, I mean, our whole team. I mean, we had injuries. I mean, James Harden was out for a month, so we never really. I mean, we spoke about this earlier in the season, but we never really got to see our full team. And I feel like now we're starting to see
1: it. And the thing that's cool about I mean, wait, this is real, just Sixers porn tonight. Like we're just not even like <laughs> holding back. But the thing I love most is when those three guys are on the court together. They can hurt teams in so many different ways. Like they all do something that the other doesn't. And we can decide on any given possession to grind it out or to send MB to the line or to have Maxi like drag a defender right to his kill spot where he wants to shoot for a three. And it's like they, the, to watch these guys be able to hurt teams in so many different ways while still having Tobias Harris, who is probably the most overqualified fourth option, at least in the conference, right? Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, honestly, in the league. I mean, like, I, I just, I don't know if you're going to find you know, a guy who who gets a max contract and and, you know, was an all-star before he got traded for us, and now he's just being told to just sit in a quarter and, and hit threes, and then, you know, maybe if, you know, Embiid or Hartner is out of the lineup, he can kind of, you know, post up and do his thing, but for the most part, it's just You know, go sit in the corner and we'll kick it out to you. And he's he's performed wonderfully in that role.
1: So uh, we talk a little bit about this idea of a big three. I did want to talk a little bit about Harden and Embiid as a big two. Okay. Um, That pick and roll is pretty deadly. Like this obviously isn't Minnesota based because Harden wasn't there. But uh, against Indy and against, against Milwaukee, I just thought the two of them played so well together. And people talk about duos, obviously Booker and Durant are new, are new rising pair, uh, Luca and Kyrie, obviously, like, um, you can do Steph and Draymond as, like, this is the very specific to what I'm talking about, which is the duos that specifically their success is related to one another, like, and related to one another and how they play on the floor. The pick and roll, the Embiid hard and Harden pick and roll, I don't know how you defend it. And I'm sure Spolstra and Tibbs and Missoula and all the coaches are thinking about that. Now it's like, we need to do this or that to stop this. But it might be the first time in my Sixers watching career where there's like a play that is unstoppable that the Sixers can run. I mean, I just,
0: you know, I just looked it up on second spectrum because I was just curious. Um, You know, the Joel Embiid, James Hart and pick and roll. When James Hart is the ball handler, they're scoring 1.12 points per direct chance, you know? So, I mean, like, it's pretty much
1: <laughs> nearly every time of the floor they're scoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's and that's, that's, and that's a play you can, you can win a series on, like, oh, without a doubt. That is a play that you can just be like, we're going to run it until you till you till, you, till you, till you cry uncle. Like, you can't stop this play.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's just—I mean, we saw it at the end of the Bucks game. I mean, it's just we see it so much that I mean, and I just—I can't wait for the playoffs when you know it's a—it's a—it's a crunch time situation and they have to run it just because I just—I don't know how you stop it, especially when you spread the floor with with all the shooting that we have. There's just—I mean, either you're going to end up fouling be like you're going to run off of a shooter to help. It's just
1: you're in—you're in a bad spot. <laughs> yeah and then you've got we've actually got some shooting around these guys you know the depth thing is pretty interesting you mentioned uh like being impressed with what we were throwing out there and there was one moment in the tipperwolves game when the lineup was uh let me let me find it, it was house milton niang reed and mcdaniels <laughs> i don't think we're gonna see that five-man combination in the playoffs a lot oh yeah not at all but it was it was loosey goosey out there. It was getting pretty psychedelic with that start that five man.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, end of the day, I mean, the Wolves couldn't score tonight, so it, it felt like whoever we threw out there, I mean, we were going to be fine. I mean, the Wolves were just, I mean, offensively they were a mess. I think they shot like thirty five percent, got you know point nine six um, points per possession. So I, I need to see a little bit more <laughs> from. Uh, a junk unit before I can kind of, you know, frown him right now. No, I, like
1: it was just sort of like, I can't think of a five man lineup that Doc would like less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe Ferk, who got some garbage time tonight, but like it's, it's hard to imagine Doc being too, too pumped up about that. What else do you want to talk about here? I mean, the indie game was kind of bananas. I uh I was at the Mismatch, the Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon did a live show last night in LA. Mm-hmm. And I went and I kind of di- debuted this this theory that um to cope with the fact that James Harden is now such an important sixer and such an important athlete in my life despite being one of my least favorite athletes maybe of all time leading up to this moment. I'm almost like created a character named Jim Harden. Oh, man. And it's like, Jim is the guy who plays for Philly. It was James was on all those other teams. But it does feel like a different Harden. Am I crazy? I think you are crazy. Do so you think is... he's doing the same foul hunting? He's doing the same... This, this is the same
0: Harden that he's always been. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I think Harden has been... See, I, I've always, like, you know what it was? So... The year when he got with DeAntoni, I had created this MVP model and I was like, Harden's going to win MVP. Um, and obviously Russell Westbrook won it. But that year was the year I was like, you know, I'm watching James Harden every single night. Okay. And how was that? How was that, that experience? It was just like this experience. The one thing okay. that I realized is that, you know, for as great of a, of a scorer he is, he's that much of a great passer as well. And that much of a playmaker. Like, you know, people kill me for this, but... I, you know, like I've always kind of said that, <laughs> and don't laugh at me, but I look at the Oklahoma Big Three the same way I look at the sons of Vito Vito Corleone. Okay, and
1: so for, pers- for listeners not versed in the v- Godfather, that's that's Sonny, <laughs> that's Sonny Michael and Michael and yeah.
0: and Fredo. Yeah, and I always felt like they all kind of had this fatal flaw, which you know st- prohibits them from being as great as, you know, as they could be. But, was Russ sunny? You no, know, Russ is, Russ is Fredo. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm still apologizing for Russ. I'm still a Russ apologist.
0: <laughs> but I I just, I just think Harden to me, like, and people kill me for this. I like, there were moments where I felt like Harden was better than, better than Kevin Durant. And, and I know Kevin Durant is, you know, 6'11", you know, jump shot. But his playmaking is so good that you could put James Harden with, I mean, prime James Harden, you could put him with four nobodies. And if they could shoot, he's going to make it happen. And
1: I mean, some of of those Rockets teams were exactly that.
0: Yeah, so to me, I've just always, I mean, once I started following Harden, I was like, yo, this guy is, like, legit. Now, obviously, he does have his playoff flaws and his moments and all the foul hunting bothers me. But I just think him and Luca are very, like, to me, they're the same guy.
1: I, I find think- watching Harden more pleasant than watching Luca. now. I'm not really, joking. I find Luca's foul stuff is just like his ref, the ref stuff with Luca is killing him for me. But that's, 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 I mean, that's exactly what Harden was like to me. They're yeah, the but same I feel like Harden guy. does that more on the perimeter with the threes and has kind of got, I, I, I'm sure he still berates refs and I'm just being blind to it, yeah. but I've been impressed with how much contact Harden takes, especially on his drives. Like he's a physical basketball player. He's not like a a shrinking violet. Like he'll take a lot of physical contact to get to the rim. And yeah, he throws his hands up or he snaps Mm. his head back or on those threes. He definitely kicks out and tries to get contact, but I at least don't notice him berating refs, the entire up and down, up and down of a possession after a missed call.
0: You know what though? I think the one thing, I mean, maybe you're right about this. I think, you know, a couple, I think it was a season ago when they stopped calling as many fouls. And I think Harden had to change his game a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. So it was I the, it think... Was the, after the Trey Young year, it was like, yeah, we're not going to let guys jump into dudes defending a three.
0: So like Harden used to do this thing where he'd drive and actually hook your arm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like... I have never played basketball and attempted to do that. So it was just like, it was just the most crafty Virgo thing that I could ever like <laughs> think of, but he would do it and he would just hook your arm and they would call the foul. Um, no,
1: he was doing like what Rodman would do on rebounding. Harden would do on drives. Yeah, I give him credit for it. I mean, cause
0: he, I mean, it, it just, he found a loophole and, and I, it seems like now that he knows he can't get away with it, he's playing a lot more basketball.
1: Well, I'll also say this mm-hmm. from afar. I would sometimes describe Harden's demeanor as lifeless or disinterested. You know, Mm -hmm. it's I do. I I find it refreshing. I find that he is like a very, very, very steady player, and that when, for instance, like whether it's like a big dunk by the Sixers, an am one, like something great happens, he doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low. Like if you think about the big emotional outburst that he's had this season, like I think that there was the Embiid. Was at the Denver game when he yeah. like jumped on Embiid's back and like was like was like going nuts at the end of that game, but like that's pretty as much as demonstrative as he gets. And yeah. I find that I it's not like where Ben Ben used to play, and you'd just be like, "Is Ben like is Ben even like on planet Earth right now? Like, it's he does he care? Like Ben would actually get pretty hyped up after dunks and stuff like that, but like there was something a little bit vacant about Ben. Mm-hmm. Harden, I feel like, is a really, really great competitor, but does not let it like throw off his game.
0: Yeah, I, I totally can see that. I, I you know, and I, I just, I, I did see moments from Harden that I've never seen before this year. Um, like what? There was the Memphis game um, when he dived on the floor for the steal to to pass to Embiid for the dunk at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, like that's something I've never, I like. I've never seen Hart diving for balls. Like you said, he's just kind of just real steady. He doesn't have a high motor. Like he's the antithesis of Patrick Beverly almost. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and yeah. granted they, they played together. So it's like it's. I mean, you've got a nice little balance between them too, but yeah, it's just, you just never, and I'm seeing more of that from Harton this year.
1: I, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I know those guys mm-hmm. both have a habit of having injuries at the most important time of the season. So I'm not trying to be like, start the parade route or anything like that. It's also going to be, I think, a particularly top-heavy Eastern Conference where, I mean, it's getting a little bit more competitive with this Knicks surge, but for the most part, you've got Milwaukee at the top, although I like the way we match up with Milwaukee. Boston, who's having a little bit of a slump right now, but still, I feel like, has some sort of weird hold over the Sixers. Philly, the Knicks and the Cavs, and then that's it. You know what I mean like I to me, like I'm not pronouncing the heat dead or anything like all like for as much as I want to, but the heat have had like all season to show us something, and they really haven't,
0: yeah, um and I, I just don't think the heat are gonna be able to score. I think to me, if we were to play the heat, it would remind me of that Toronto Raptors series last year mm-hmm. it would be like an ugly
1: series, and it would be and- a week of like do the heat have the sixers number like yeah you know what i mean it would be like a full week of like talk like that and then it would start and be like no we're gonna bounce yeah. these yeah we'll, we'll win we'll win four or one yeah. or four maybe they get two um yeah
0: but it's just like i don't i don't see it as a thing to where you know they're really gonna challenge us and and, and knock us out of the playoffs. like that would shock me
1: so it's like it's interesting to think about these teams mostly in like terms of their second round matchups mm-hmm. um i've heard you know, so I think we were even like joking around about this maybe a pot or two ago. It was like, should the Sixers tank out of three to avoid the heat or, or what? At this point, we're, I think, are we a game behind Boston now? No,
0: I think we're two, we're two games behind. They're 45. Two games and,
1: behind Boston. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, maybe, maybe a game and a half actually. Um, cause we're, okay. for, we're 43, we're 43 and 22. They're 45 and 21. So we're, yeah, a game and, and a half.
1: Boston might be going through like the toughest stretch of their season right now. Yeah. Like the, it's like, there seems to be slumping. There seems to be some, not like hardcore Missoula stuff, but like a little bit of like, what's, why is Joe Missoula refused to call timeouts at the end of games? And I did not think that they looked particularly good, uh, over the weekend against, uh, against the Knicks. I mean, even though they took him to to double OT, it was like one of those weird, like, are you guys just not going to play Derek white? And like all this stuff. So, Look, I mean, Boston's terrifying in a lot of ways, but I, I really like, really like where the Sixers are right now. Uh, is there anything specific from the last couple of games? Like, is there any from the Bucks game or the Pacers game or from tonight that you thought was worth highlighting that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I, I
0: mean, the 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 Pacers game was a little concerning. Um, I mean, obviously, it did come after, it, it came after the the big Bucks win. Um. Our defense was really bad in that game. It, it, was, it was bad. At least, at least so was Indies. That helped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our defense was really bad. But, I mean, we we bounced back tonight so well tonight that it's just like I don't wanna really want to make a big deal out of that. And then, I mean, our win against the Bucs was just, I mean, absolutely amazing. I just think, um, I don't know if, I think we're going to see a superior effort when it matters. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of our defensive woes has has to do with effort and focus um and i think that'll be there when it matters
1: so it seems like almost like undock like for this to be the way the team is because i i kind of traditionally think of dock teams as resting on their defense yeah and then the offense is a little screwy but -hmm. this team is like we can put up 147 you know (laughs) but we may give up 143 yeah and maybe that's just like you know what this is what the team needs to be if we're gonna play harden and maxi at the same time
0: yeah, uh, I mean it's the modern NBA, um, and you know I, I think I've spoken on this before, where I think there's only been like three teams that has made the finals without a top ten defense. Yeah, um, and right now, I mean we're not a top ten defense right now. Um, we were
1: eighth last week. Or are, are we? Are we still? Or probably not after that. Um, right. We probably are like still metrically. But
0: I mean, like, well, I mean, I think we're 11th now, but we're not like, I mean, we're not playing like a top 10 defense at all. So, and I think now that we have Hart and Maxi back, it's pretty clear that we're not, we're not going to be a top 10 defense. But I think when you look at the modern NBA, I think there's, there's probably a shift coming where you can get there with offense. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Dallas's bet, right?
0: Yeah. Um, as long as you're not as as long as you're not as bad as as Dallas
1: offensively, but that's Sacramento's bad, right? Yeah, I mean Sacramento doesn't guard anybody, and that they have one of the best five man lineups in the league. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I, I but I think we're we're worlds better than both of those teams defensively. So it's like the thing I, I see from this team is that when we're in a half court, we can get stops, and to me that matters.
1: So. Yeah. There's also just like watching Joel manage his own performance throughout the game, and and be like, okay, when does he need to d up Giannis or whatever Mm -hmm. in a game versus like when can he be on Brook? I don't love when he plays free safety against Lopez because I feel like he's like guarding the paint and then Lopez is basically has shooting practice from beyond the arc, but it obviously like evened itself out in that game. Yeah. I brought this up kind of like half-heartedly earlier. Mm-hmm. I think in the earlier pod, I think we sort of were like, doesn't seem like he's played enough games to win this this award. Mm-hmm. It also felt like we had kind of rounded into, Jokic just has triple doubles every night and mm-hmm. the team is going to win the be the number one seed in the West. I'm like now edging away from it. I'm mm-hmm. edging away from that certainty. I do think that Embiid is in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's in the conversation and I think it's kind of insulting that He's not getting more credit for what he's done this year. And, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today. Like, you know, Perp had his opinion and everything like that. I don't think that's the, mo- the most absurd thing that I've seen this year is that, you know, two weeks after it, MB put up that 47-18 rebound, five blocks, three steals went over the Nuggets. Bontemps released that straw poll and Jokic got 77 first place votes and MB got six. So, and I know head-to-head matchups don't mean everything, but you mean but to tell should. me that six people, like only six people saw that game and said, you know what, NB MB, is the MVP. So if that's the case, you're kind of telling me that there's nothing that he can do to get MVP.
1: Or you're saying that it's this this award is dictated by specific statistical categories. Yeah. And and what he's doing, which is documented, and you can look at the data, and like, look, man, I, I think Jokic is incredible. Like, Jokic yeah. is one of the most impressive offensive players I've ever seen in my life. I will point out that Embiid, maybe not playing up to his DPOY standards, yeah, is a much better defender than Jokic. Mm-hmm. And that should count for something. And... I also think that you could make the argument especially and I just want to I just want to throw this out here cuz this actually does dovetail nicely with what where I was going to go with this ream. So the Sixers next week have they have Portland on Friday, the Wiz on Sunday, Cleveland next Wednesday, Charlotte next Friday, Indy next Saturday, and then two with Chicago before they get to the really difficult part of their schedule in the end of March, March 24th. I could see two ways of going about this. Path one is, yo, set and beat loose on these teams. Let let him go rock Daniel Gafford. Let him go rock Mark Williams. Let him go rock all these dudes. I don't even know if Portland has a center. Like let him go wild and make this an uncomfortable decision for people who've already decided before the all-star break that Jokic was the MVP. I suppose the alternative alternative is get and be the rest in this not very tough stretch of games and make sure this dude is like his foot's healed, and as we go into this March period, you know, this late March period going into the playoffs, that he's, like, fully rested up. The interesting thing about Path 1 is, let's say he does go nuts these next this next 10 days. Then he gets Jokic again. Then he gets Denver again, because they get Denver on uh, March 27th. On NBA Mm. TV, I'm shocked that's not a national game. I guess it's just an off night or whatever. Maybe it's the tournament. But uh, that could be like the MVP decider. Yeah, how about that? And,
0: you know, somebody just asked me on Twitter, have we ever seen like a head-to-head late season matchup really decide things? And the first thing I thought of was like Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I personally felt like Chris Paul had the better gear, but Kobe Bryant, he kind of, you know, he was in a position of, you know, this is one of our biggest stars. He's never gotten an MVP award. This is his lifetime achievement award. And they ended up winning that game and they gave it to him. So um, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Embiid does what he does against Jokic again, you know, that swings some people because, you know, Harden, you know, when I look back at the Harden-Russell Westbrook MVP voting, I remember there was a game late in the season, I think Russell took it to overtime against the Nuggets, and Russell ends up hitting a three to win the game. And shout out to my co- my former colleague Matt Moore at the Action Network. He said a lot of people he was in the building that night covering the Nuggets, and he he spoke to like five people who changed their vote. Right. So, so um, there's still time left, but it does feel like you know Jokic is the front runner. I mean, we've heard all the talk about you know his. <laughs> anytime he drops the triple double, I mean, this team's pretty much winning and you know, Jokic is just so incredible because you know, I was watching that Raptors game last night and it's, it's a shame that Scott Foster kind of murdered the game, but it felt like every time with the floor with Jokic on the floor, they were going to score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's not too many teams I could say that about if he's on the floor, he's going to find the open man or he's going to score himself. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch.
1: I hate the idea that the MVP race has become bigger than the season. You know, yeah. that we talk more about y- y- Jokic versus the field than we do about whether or not Phoenix is going to win the West or something like that, or how, like, things are looking with, like, different teams. Yeah. But I am kind of intrigued by this this idea that, like, this Embiid-Jokic game should be, like, a Loser leaves Town match. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, wh- whoever outperforms the other, they have to, like, basically be like, that dude's the MVP, this guy can't have it. I mean, it's also crazy because it's just, like... You know, I mean, it's not like I... It, it, people turned Russ into such a villain that season when he won the MVP because, like, oh, like, he's stat padding. And there was also, like, an emotional component to the Russ thing because he was playing in the advent of KD leaving. But, you know, I like Jokic. It's not like I I, I don't... I, I just think that Embiid deserves it this year, man. Like, yeah, this team, this team is really doing it. And if it is a regular season award, which is what we kind of head on even though now like the the counter Jokic narrative is like well he doesn't do it in the playoffs I don't know I mean
0: I mean I think Jokic here's the thing I think Jokic does it in the playoffs I've always felt like this was a full season award, war and people don't want to admit that but before Adam S- Silver kind of ruined things um in terms of and I, like
1: not I'm the sorry, best I'm, week
0: for Adam Silver I'm not, I'm not a big Adam Silver fan. But before he, you know, decide, I mean, And it's not all his fault. Obviously, you know, Turner wants content. Um, but before yeah. the award ceremony, this award was given out in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if you're like Dirk and you're a one seed and you get upset by the We Believe Warriors, you made everybody look like a fool. Mm-hmm. So this was a full season award because... What you do in the playoffs has to validate what you have to validate those votes in the playoffs. And yeah. for the most part, our MVPs have done that. I think when it comes to Jokic, is that he hasn't get he hasn't had a chance to validate those those MVP awards because of injuries. Last year, you know, they kind of gave him a pass, allowed him to win from the sixth seed. But we all know going into the playoffs, he has no Jamal Murray. He has no Michael Porter Jr. He has no shot. So if he wins this year, he has to, like, I need to see a finals appearance. Mm-hmm. And it's no excuses. If everybody's healthy, I need to see a finals because that's what, this is a full season of war because no one wants to look stupid. How many times do we hear, I think we we heard after, you know, Steph Curry, they, they, they blew it against the, the Cavs. Steph Curry will probably ne- never win another MVP award again. We we've heard things like that, or you know, James Harden. He's not playing well in the playoffs. We're not voting for him again. Yeah, like regardless of what anybody says, this is a full season w- award, and what you do in the playoffs it matters. And the same the goes
1: future. for Embiid. The same yeah. goes for Embiid, right? Like w- it's like a doubt. if Embiid, if we get if if the Sixers get knocked out in the second round, I don't think anybody's gonna feel great, especially Joel Embiid about getting an MVP award. You know, like. On his way out of the playoffs. So I, I really admire the way that Embiid is compartmentalized this season. He was just talking after the game to Chris Haynes about how in the years past, like he's obviously campaigned more or less for the the award and cared a lot about it. Yeah, And this season, I think case in point tonight, they could have played him most of this fourth quarter and gotten him up to around 45 50 tonight you know like he was he was getting anything he wanted against minnesota but it was like nope take the night off big man you got it like kind of had a couple of knee knocks tonight like had a couple of hard falls like just take the night off after you've kind of put the victory away uh i don't know i don't know what this 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 debate is getting increasingly charged obviously the jj kendrick stuff that happened today and I don't really particularly want to see that distraction put on Embiid. Uh, I think Giannis has like as much of a case for it as Joel does. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't feel like Embiid is getting wrapped up into it. I I feel like it's it's more of a
0: people are mad because, I mean, the last time we saw a three-time back-to-back-to-back MVP award winner was Larry Bird. And, you know, Michael Jordan hasn't done that ever. So I right. think people are just mad. Like, LeBron James hasn't done that ever. So I think people are more mad about that. Um, I don't even think Giannis or Embiid or... Like, anybody else is getting wrapped up about it. It's just there's a certain segment of the media who just doesn't want to see it. And I think there's a well, certain fans who don't want to see it either.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like... This is, like, one of those things where... I find it. it's like... It's funny when you watch, like, football, right? Yeah. And uh, people... People like get angry about coaching because they kind of see themselves coaching. It's hard to imagine yourself playing football, like unless you're a very special kind of athletic person. Yeah, but everybody plays Madden, and everybody can imagine like, oh, I would have, I would have blitzed there. You know what I mean? Like you, you always have like this, this thing where you think you're gonna like you could do a better job. I feel like the MVP is like that for the NBA, where it's like basketball is a really complicated, weird sport where a ball bounces one way or another and everything changes. But Mm -hmm. one thing we can just argue about is who do we like better than another person? Yeah. And it's like this MVP race talk has now started to pop up in October or November, which is nuts because when I was a kid, this was like, this got talked about maybe towards the end of the year and and it was usually best player on the best team got it it seemed like you know like for the most part it was it was like if you were in like one of the top two teams in a conference and you were the best player on that team you were probably gonna win it and now we're going back and relitigating steve nash and and all this stuff and i'm just like i don't know dude i who cares like you know like 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 like, let's not make this like what the nba becomes about
0: yeah i mean you know what it is i think um and, and part of this is the Skip Baylesses of the world, but I think the majority of basketball fans are fans of players now. Um, yeah. and you know, I I kind of caught but right right like I think right before I started betting, I caught myself and I was just like, look, I was a big Kobe Bryant fan. Like, Kobe Bryant and Allen Iverson are my favorite players, and I would kind of be engaged in these stand wars. Yeah. Um, and it's just they came at the expense of other players. So you find yourself, you know, if my guy doesn't win the the MVP or doesn't win this championship, I hate this other guy. And I think it's basketball talk has become more about that than teams and winning. It's a binary
1: choice rather than like, Oh, there's like a, 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 a multiplicity of teams that could, could, could kind of be in the mix here. And instead you can just be like, are you a Jokic stan? Or are you a Giannis stan? Yeah. And
0: I, I had to get myself, I got myself out of it one day because I used to hate LeBron James. I hated him. And I was like, and I think, you know, betting kind of helped me with that because I was just like, yo, LeBron's incredible. Why yeah. do I have to hate this guy because I like This guy's
1: him? making me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I, I think I, I got myself out of there. But I mean, I know the vast majority of MB, casual NBA fans are still on that tip.
1: Maybe that's why I keep kept I kept kicking this can down the road in this podcast is because I actually don't want to have Joel yeah. Embiid's season viewed through the prism of whether or not he won a vote between him and Jokic of like yeah. writers. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. It's it's not what I think is the summation of like an achievement and I guarantee you that if Embiid is in the finals, like he's not going to care about MVP. Oh yeah. Without a doubt, (laughs) without a doubt. (laughs) Um, all right, we can wrap it up there. So shield's going to come on the Philly feed. You know, he's obviously already doing stuff with Solak still about the Eagles as we go through the draft and the free agency process, but shield's going to come on Thursday and talk a little Sixers and talk a little Phillies and, uh, I think uh, Raheem and I will either one or both of us will be on that show with Shield. So expect like some more fireworks on the the, the Philly special feed uh, as we get into playoff basketball, NFL draft, NFL free agency, and the Phils start uh, defending their nationally crown, which is just an amazing thing to say.
0: Yes, really amazing thing to say. I mean, it, that was a that was an amazing time in my my life, and I didn't get to any of the games because I was out in Vegas at the time. But man. <laughs> Are gonna you going to try that. and go to
1: some of the early games in the new season?
0: I think I am. I, I, I really, okay. I mean, cause I haven't been to, like, I, I haven't been to one. I haven't been to one since the vet. That's how crazy. Well, Maybe we
1: can do a ringer special outing and Cliff can come down and we can go with shield. We could go have a nice day at the ballpark. Oh, that would be and amazing. Be a, and scream at each other about Jokic versus Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, here for, for it. Yeah. For Raheem, uh, I'm Chris. Thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing us as always. Remember shields coming back on Thursday with some Sixers and Phil's talk. We'll be back next week at some point, but as I, uh, as you heard that's not not the most amazing set of games but i'm sure there will be stuff to talk about because it's the sixers so expect us back the 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 gruesome twosome here next week and we will we will chat more about about the philadelphia basketball team which is only pointed upwards talk to you guys soon